Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Tonight's topic, we're continuing on our mini-series about sexual issues. And we started with sexual issues for men. And tonight, we're going to be covering the last episode on sexual issues for men. Our next podcast will start on sexual issues for females. But for tonight, we're going to be talking about an issue that's not well known about and not talked about a whole lot, and that's sexual trauma for men. And sexual trauma for men can include many different things, everything from being molested to date rape to sexual traumas of all different types. Some of them can be very intense, and some can be less intense. In our last episode, we were talking about some of the good things that men want. Oftentimes, we think of sexual issues being all bad, but our last episode was on sexual issue of wanting to improve our sex life and go the next step. 
And we covered a lot of experiences and things that you can do to take your sex life to the next level. This episode, we're really focusing in on trauma. And I have Paul with me tonight. Hey, guys. (laughs) So tonight's episode is on sexual trauma for men. I know that this is kind of a difficult topic for a lot of people, and I want to kind of give a trigger warning in case anybody's had past traumatic experiences and it's still there for you that we will be talking a little bit about sexual trauma and how it impacts us, but we'll also be going on over some techniques on how to heal from that trauma. I'm going to turn it over to Paul for a minute. Hey, guys. So tonight's topic is a a very heavy one. And one of the things I'd like to say right off the bat is that men often are trained to deal with things like by themselves, to just harden up. And a lot of times men discount how severe something is or how much it actually affects them. I know that because I did it myself for a number of years. I have mentioned on the show before that when I was a teenager, I got molested by quite a few different men. And I always thought of it as something that, oh, it sucked at the time, But I didn't really think it was still affecting me. I never really thought about it. It wouldn't keep me up at night. And so I didn't think it really affected me that negatively until I started training with Gigi and we started talking about my trauma. I realized that it was actually affecting me so much more than I thought that it was that A big reason I had a hard time connecting with my bisexuality and being comfortable being with men was because of the trauma of having been molested a lot. And me and Gigi worked a lot to overcome that trauma. I would say probably a good portion of the first year I was training under Gigi was dedicated to really facing that trauma head on and doing different techniques and and things like that to start working through the trauma. Another thing that I want to mention is a lot of times all sexual assault victims get the message that somehow it is their fault or that they must have done something to bring it about. And that's also not true. Just because you may be flirting with a girl or a guy doesn't give them permission to touch you or invade your space or or do anything. It's not an invitation. So I also wanted to get that uh, cleared up early on. And I'd like to add that sometimes trauma, uh, we're to some degree all traumatized from living in a sex-negative culture. We look at our bodies 
under the lens of Hollywood and mass media, and we don't measure up because we don't have the hairdressers and lighting experts and the whole crew that creates these images of body beautiful. Who can measure up to all that? Not even the models themselves. <laughs> Not in real life. It's only in Hollywood or in production. And so I think one of the things that's really important is to realize that trauma can be very, it, it can come in degrees. It can be a small trauma that doesn't seem that big a deal, or it can be a very big trauma, and then later you think, oh, it's not that much. But what's interesting is that the body does have its own memories, and often sexual issues can come up around trauma, like erectile problems and having trouble getting it up or even premature ejaculation and or delayed ejaculation can result from trauma. And so there's many hidden things that you think, oh, I've developed this problem issue and problem where is this coming from? You don't you don't really associate it with the trauma, but it's the trauma, the body remembering the trauma and tensing up and not responding the way you'd like it to. And it's like learning to heal from trauma. There's many different approaches and techniques, and we'll be getting into some of those more later in the show. But I did kind of want to cover that trauma covers a wide range of things. Everything from date rape to being fondled as a little kid without your consent, being molested, all kinds of things can be traumatizing. And physical abuse, emotional abuse, there's a whole wide range of things. Even being told, oh, you're you're too fat or you're too dumb or you're too this or too that to be a good sexual person, to be desirable by others can be kind of traumatizing for a lot of people. And what's kind of interesting with trauma, one situation can happen to one person and it, it really isn't very traumatic to them. But the same thing can happen to another person, and it's very traumatic. So trauma is a very personalized definition. It's not something someone can say, oh, if you experience this, and you must have been traumatized by it. No, that's for you to decide and for you to evaluate. And if it is something that truly is traumatic to you, or you kind of have that knee-jerk reaction when you're in a particular situation, it may be being triggered by a past trauma. So anything you want to add, Paul? Yeah. So, like, I do a workshop on overcoming trauma, and one of the things I talk about in my workshop is that trauma is kind of sneaky. It feels very alienating because your trauma is 
very, very personal to you. And especially as men, men are kind of trained to keep things to themselves. So it feels like you're alone and that the the other guys wouldn't understand. And, you know, women tend to be a lot more open about their kind of sexual trauma and it's more highlighted in media and in the news and there's more awareness of the kinds of sexual trauma that happens to women and not as much focus is put on the kinds of sexual trauma that happens to men. But the fact that you aren't open up, opening up about it, there's probably guys in your circle of friends who have also experienced sexual trauma, and they also don't talk about it. And it is one of the hardest things to overcome is the feeling of really being alone in the world with it and and isolated. But I think that it's a good thing to talk about this kind of stuff with people that you trust, your your trusted friends and confidants and partners. And, and talking about it can be really, really therapeutic and really, really helpful. And the more you talk about it, the more you might find that you're not as alone as you think that you are. And one of the things about talking about trauma with a trusted person, a close person, is that if they have come up with coping mechanisms that work with work for them, they can tell you about the coping mechanisms that have have helped them. And it's a good way to to learn some things that some perspective you may never have thought about it or some method for dealing with trauma that you had never explored before. I know in my life, oftentimes I've experienced things that at the time didn't seem that big a deal, but later looking at it, yes, I was date rape. <laughs> I said stop, I withdrew consent, and they kept going. And oftentimes we th try to dismiss it as, oh, it's not that big a deal. But it really, truly is a big deal. And it's something to kind of work through and gain some healing and self-empowerment. And there's some steps we can take. I know that one of the things I did in my healing path was do perform some BDSM role play with the dominant who was very compassionate and understanding and could play out some of these roles as we negotiated them. And it takes a really deep negotiation to get into this kind of work but and have some safe words, not just physical safety, but it's psychological safety. I think that one of the most powerful healings I've ever gone through was through BDSM roleplay, where 
all of a sudden, I, for the first time in my life, I had safe words. And that was very empowering to the inner child for me. All of a sudden, I realized, oh, I'll never have to experience that kind of situation ever again. I've empowered the inner child within me. And the inner child can be kind of silent a lot of times, except when you're about to be in life doing things and all of a sudden the inner child kind of taps on you or your body kind of responds in a knee-jerk way and all of a sudden something's triggered and things don't work anymore. <laughs> or maybe it's just for some reason you feel kind of sad and down and depressed and you go, where's that coming from? Sometimes it's hard to tell where it's even coming from. And a lot of times it's from old traumas. And by name, there is a power in naming. Just naming it and acknowledging it and being present with it and going, yes, this did happen to me, can be a very healing part of the process. Denial keeps it kind of pushed down in the bottle and you keep pushing it down and eventually the bottle's going to break. <laughs> it can only hold so much. And so by acknowledging and just being present with that trauma is one of the first steps is, and is very healing to say, yes, this did happen. Acknowledge it. I think one of the hard things with with men assign male at birth individuals that kind of throws a, a like a wrench in like the in our brains is a lot of times for for specific acts to to work for us we have to have an erection and we think, oh, if I wasn't really into it, I wouldn't have gotten an erection. But the that's biological. You can be given an erection, like, outside of your consent. And the fact that you get an erection is not a sign of consent. Anytime something is done to you that you don't want, uh, particularly when you say it out loud, like, no, this isn't what I want, that is sexual assault. And you don't need to say no or stop for it to be sexual assault. But I, I think a lot of times things happen where guy will say, like, oh, I don't really want to do that. And someone will be like, well, your penis is hard, so clearly you do, and they'll take advantage of you. And I think one of the things that that causes is it it makes us feel like we're complicit in our own sexual assault and in our own trauma. It, you know, really gets in your head and you think like, oh, if, if I didn't want this, I, I wouldn't have an erection or, you know, things like that. And it's really, really, really difficult to stop feeling guilty about it, especially since there's that extra 
layer on it uh, that women don't really deal with. Even though women don't deal with the erection issue, even during sexual assault, it's still stimulating the body sexually, so it's going to feel good at certain levels. Even though it's not consented to and it's not wanted, the body, the dick has its own head, so to speak. <laughs> it says, oh, stimulation feels good. Even though the brain, the human brain is saying, no, I'm not into this. But it's being stimulated and it's like it's going to respond. And whether it's hard or soft, it's still an invasion of your body. And it's still a misuse. I'd also like to talk about sometimes it can be a non-physical thing. Because oftentimes in relationships, things can kind of go bad and there can be some very harsh emotional trauma around sex and sexuality. And that can be very damaging and harmful. And it takes time to heal from even those kind of situations. I know that I have had people that I was involved with that did become emotionally abusive. And that can hurt at a very deep level. It takes naming it and owning up to it and saying, yes, this did happen to me. It wasn't my fault. It was, I, I didn't bring this on. And really coming to terms with it and addressing it. And then if you need deeper healing, we mentioned the BDSM role play can be very helpful, but you need to know what you're doing and have someone that's a good dominant that can guide you through the process. It is a process, but it can be so rewarding getting the healing from it and realizing, oh, I, and it's empowering this inner self. It's empowering ourselves and becoming free of the bounds of the trauma. Anything you want to add? I think one of the things about using BDSM to kind of face some of these traumas is I would suggest working with a dom for a little for a little while to really build up trust with your dom before you jump into any of the really deeply emotional parts of BDSM role play when i was working with Gigi we didn't start off with it all that early on and i had already known Gigi for a number of years before we ever started working together. And it still took me a fair amount of time to build trust with Gigi. And I, I didn't realize that there was a degree that that trust hadn't been built yet. It felt like I trusted Gigi very, very much, but we had to work together quite a bit for me to really get to the 
point of full trust with Gigi. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Another thing that I would like to say is, so one thing that is very common with sexual assault is to find yourself fantasizing about it later. And a lot of times people find this really jarring. It can make people feel disgusted by themselves. And that reinforces the idea of like, oh, if if I hadn't wanted that, why am I fantasizing about it now? Like, clearly, I'm just a pervert and all of this kind of stuff. And that's not the case. It's It's very common to have your brain kind of get rewired, like with the sexual trauma, and find yourself fantasizing about it later. And you can either get to a point where you don't fantasize it about it anymore, or I've found that once you deal with the trauma and the, the hard things, I've found that I can continue to have fantasies of being taken advantage of and think it's really hot. And I know that that doesn't mean I actually want it to happen. Sometimes fantasies are just a, a mental thing that aren't things that we would really want in real life. I think another thing that I should kind of throw out, and this is really important, is that it's good to go through counseling if you have trauma. And it can be in conjunction with BDSM role play. I know Paul was doing counseling and even informed the counselor that of what we were doing and working together with a mental health professional. But you want to be careful and find a mental health professional that knows about BDSM because at one point in mental health, BDSM was considered a... Uh, well, it was listed in the DSM as a mental illness. And since then, it's been taken out of the DSM. But there's some counselors that still play by the old rule book, so to speak, and haven't really don't really understand the dynamics of BDSM and how healing it can be. So ask for, when you're looking for a counselor, Ask for a counselor that's knowledgeable and works with clients who are into BDSM because that can make a big difference <laughs> in your path for healing. I think on that note, really taking that time to build the trust. Don't just jump in. One of the things I learned early on, both working with Paul and other people, is that it takes time to get ready to face these things. You don't just do it overnight. <laughs> it takes really challenging yourself and be patient with yourself. Be ready to do it when you're ready, but don't feel bad if you're not ready yet. Because it does take some time to really process. Emotions aren't like the rational side of the brain. You don't just jump into something. 
you have to take time and process it. Process what's going on, how you feel around it, and and then meet the challenge when you're ready to meet it. Another thing I would suggest, and this goes whether you're using BDSM or cognitive behavioral therapy or, you know, any number of things, you know, most of us who, uh, who have trauma, we don't have just one traumatic event or one singular trauma. Normally, it's a lot of different ones over time. And there are ones that affect us to deeper degrees than other ones, and some that are really, really scary to us. And I would suggest taking on some of the smaller traumas first. And if you were going to become an MMA fighter, you wouldn't fight the biggest, baddest motherfucker on the block for your first fight. No, you would... First of all, you would train in a gym, in a you know safe environment, and then you would take on smaller competitors and things like that. And I think that the same is true when you're dealing with your your own internal trauma. Sometimes it's easier to like face ones that are not affecting you as much, and. The people that give us trauma, it's also the relationship that you have with the person. Like, maybe the trauma wasn't as important as the fact that, let's say, your father used to beat you. The relationship of him being your father, like, really intensifies the trauma that they put you through. This is particularly true of people we've been in relationships with, parents, siblings, anyone you have a deep bond with, uh, when, when they hurt you, that betrayal goes much, much deeper. And so, you know, sometimes it's not just the thing that happened, but the person who did it to you. And I would like to plug, again, the real impact that counseling can have around these things. I would start with counseling before you get into BDSM role play and do it under the advice of a counselor. They can guide you through the process and help you pre-process through counseling before you start tackling it through role play. Because that can be very important, and they can teach you some of the tools and coping mechanisms and ways to work with it and come through it in good in a good, healthy way. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get into something that's going to be add to the unhealthiness. Mm-hmm. You want to stay on a healthy path and, mm-hmm. and on a healing path, and you don't want to do more damage by getting into something that just further brings, triggers bad issues, so to speak. And it is a process. It takes some time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. But the good news is, is that 
when you get on this path and whether and sometimes counseling alone can be enough but if you need that extra i know there's things i went through that were highly traumatic in my youth that i did both the counseling and then later did bdsm role play and the role play really took it the healing to a much deeper level and so i do want to say do it with counseling because that's really extremely important to have someone on your side someone that's going to help you through the process yeah and it might also be important for you to have your counselor talk to whoever you're going to be doing the BDSM role play with. And I know that when I went through this process with Gigi, one of the things that was very important to me is we talked about it a lot before we ever went into doing any kind of role play around it. Um, one of the things that Gigi did that I found very helpful, and I think that Gigi's background as a social worker really, really helped with this. Um, what we would do is first he talked to me about it and, you know, just kind of got a, a general idea of some of the things that were going on in my history and how they were affecting me. And then after that, we had a few scenes where he didn't bring it up at all. And then, like, the next time he brought it up, we we talked about it. And then we smoked cigarette and talked about other things for a little while. And then we did regular BDSM play. And then over time, he wouldn't bring it up every sec session, but every once in a while, he'd bring it up. And he was getting a fuller idea of it, you know, because because I didn't realize how much it was affecting me. First, I didn't really think of all the details or all of the different, like, examples of it happening. And the more I talked about it, the more I realized that it was affecting me. And then the more I talked about it, I didn't notice this, but we would start doing... BDSM play, things that he knew that I really enjoyed, that I really liked. And like the, w he would bring up my trauma closer and closer to when we would be doing the, the role play or the, the BDSM play that I really liked. So that I started developing like a positive, um, connection, like between talking about my trauma and then this, wonderful release that felt so good so i had a, a a positive connection with it and then it got to the point where we would talk about my trauma and then go right into bdsm play that i really liked and we did that for a long time before we even started dealing with my trauma in the context of the BDSM role play. Oh, wow, the time flies by. <laughs> Here we are to station break. And I do have an announcement for those of you who would like to 
support this show, we are making an offer to our Patreons. We're going to be giving away a free video training program on body mapping. It's the erotic body map, and it teaches how to communicate to your partner what you desire and how you, and get some feedback from what your partner desires. It's a, and it's also a way to identify within your own body what you like, what you don't like, and explore and discover the whole wide range of sexual activities. Everything from discovering your erogenous zones to what really gives you the most pleasure and how you get pleasure from sex. And so there's exercises and tools and worksheets to really explore and map out your own unique erotic body map. Because each of us is wired a little bit differently at a neurological level. So one thing that feels really great to me may not feel really great to a partner and vice versa. So being able to communicate that better, because often couples don't communicate. They think, oh, we should know this instinctually, and that doesn't happen. <laughs> and often we can pleasure each other but in good ways, but way too often... I've heard many couples, one partner will come up and say, well, I just kind of put up with it because they like to do this, and I don't want to offend them and say, oh, I don't like this. Well, no, it's time to communicate better. Get on the same page and discover the things you each like and and that really get you turned on and bring that amazing pleasure because if you get stuck in that role of just putting up with something you're not really into, year after year, it's going to take its toll. So learning how to first identify which brings you the most pleasure and then how to communicate it to your partner can be a very powerful tool in any relationship. And even if you're single... Just learning what brings you the most pleasure. How do I explore my body and figure that out? We, we don't come with an owner's manual. <laughs> it's not something that we just know automatically. We have to do some exploration and discovery and discover what, what does work within my body. So we're offering that free of charge from... The time this show goes out till the end of June. So if you want to donate to the show and get a free video training program, take advantage of it. It's a time-limited offer. And you can go to my website, RaymondSawyerLeather.com. We've got a link to our Patreon page. Or you can go, and I forget the... What's the website for Patreon? It's www.patreon.com forward slash Gigi. And if you've never visited our Patreon, uh, Patreon page before, 
Another thing that we actually have for free on the Patreon page is a copy of our BDSM interest evaluation, which is a very good tool for figuring out what sorts of activities you and a partner might enjoy. And it's really, really good if you want to get into BDSM with someone to have them fill out an interest evaluation with you. There might be questions that come up that make them go, oh, I've not heard of that, but that sounds really, really interesting. And it is such a good resource. So that's another thing that you might find interesting. And that's free without any, you don't yeah. have to support and, and that's free without any obligation. So if you haven't made it to our Patreon page, why don't you go and explore it and see what we have to offer? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Well, back to our topic. And we've been talking about sexual trauma with males. And... One thing I did want to kind of bring up, and this is another important issue, on top of counseling, getting counseling for any trauma that you've experienced, it's also good for the person you're working with, especially if you find a dom, that they get a no crisis intervention. And I do offer crisis intervention training is part of my BDSM basics training package. It really is good to have the tools to work with if by accident you do hit a major trigger and someone goes into crisis. It gives you step-by-step instructions on how to resolve a crisis. It goes into some of the myths. So Check that out because it's really important to be well-versed and even lame people, people that have never had any mental health training, can learn the crisis intervention techniques and how to work with the person in crisis to resolve the crisis. It's a very powerful training. Another thing that I think happens with a lot of men is I, I'm thinking of it as kind of secondhand trauma. Um, a lot of times men will date, you know, either a woman or another man who has gone through trauma in the past. And it might affect your sex life with that person. And when that happens, sometimes uh, a, a wire gets crossed and we can kind of absorb some of that. So if you have a partner that was raped or sexually assaulted and everything seems to be going 
hot and heavy and every and it seems like you know all lights are green and then something happens and it triggers your partner and they have to stop in the middle of it and they you know they tell you like oh it's not your fault it's this thing that i'm dealing with well we internalize that kind of stuff way easier than we realize a lot of the time and i think that that can lead to like a lot of problems and can give you kind of a a complex so i know that that's one form of trauma that a lot of people don't talk about i think you bring up an important point communication is so key in any relationship in letting people know you know how's the internal emotional weather is it stormy is it sunny is it what's going on because we were not mind readers some of us are somewhat empathic we can kind of get a feel that oh something's off but until we communicate it we can't really tell what's off and so communication is key really sitting down and even if you have to stop a hot and heavy scene it's better to stop if a trigger's been hit than to try to proceed on because it's just going to go downhill from there oftentimes so it's good to stop and say hey we need to talk for a little while it's good to keep that in non-judgmental zone when you have that talk say hey i need to talk to you and I don't we need to create a safe space that's non-judgmental. This isn't against you, it's not against me. It's it's what's going on. And there's nothing right or wrong with what's going on if you've been triggered by something. It means you need some healing and some to work through it. And some things can be temporarily worked through and then later go to counseling and really delve in and find out what's really the big issues because sometimes in the in our experience we we aren't consciously aware of some of the traumas or some of the triggers and some of the things that can get us in a really bad headspace by going through counseling you can figure out okay these are the things that's happened and these are the tools i need to work around it <laughs> anyway um i think another thing that is important is giving yourself time for reflection if you have something come up that is bothering you then you can talk about it with your partner when it happens but give yourself a specific time afterwards to to really reflect on it and think about what it is that really affected you because in the moment you know you might get some insight but if you take that time afterwards to really think about what is actually affecting you and how it's affecting you and what the trigger might have been you might get some insight that you wouldn't necessarily get in that moment so taking that time to really 
reflect and spend some time with yourself. And you might do some sort of self-care activity, like taking a hot bath while you think about it, or maybe meditating quietly for a while before you go into it. Something to kind of just really calm yourself down. When Gigi was talking about setting up a non-judgmental space, you deserve to do that for yourself as well. Whatever comes up when you are looking at the thing that really affected you is not a bad thing. You're not bad for having that response. It's important to know where it comes from. And I think that like giving yourself a safe space to do that is very important. If you find yourself triggered by something or your partner is triggered by something, take a deep breath or remind your partner, take deep breaths. Find your center again. This will pass. Oftentimes we think when when we get into a traumatic experience and something bad gets triggered, we think, oh, this is... It gets blown up bigger than life oftentimes. And just taking, I'm often shouted in my mind, stop. (laughs) Take a deep breath. And then just let let things kind of come back down. This is emotional. Something's been triggered. It will pass. And take some deep breaths. That's really a big key. And then sit down and talk to your partner a little bit and say, hey, something weird's going on. I'm not exact. You may not even be sure what it is, but just something triggered me. Because it's really important to take that time and recenter and reground and take a few moments and stop what you were doing and just take some safe time, create a safe zone, and maybe just cuddle for a little while. (laughs) I know that some of the most life-changing scenes I've done with Gigi during our BDSM play have been the ones where I had to stop it and say, like, oh, I, I need to talk about something. Something came up. And when those first happened like I felt bad that I was stopping the scene like a lot of times it was during a very intense very good scene and then something would come up and I'd have to stop it and I'd say Gigi you know Red or you know I I need to talk to you about something and Gigi's a very good dom he always stopped it at that point and we would sit down and smoke a cigarette and talk about what you know what happened or what was on my mind or you know if i got triggered by something like what triggered it and even though the scene got stopped the conversations i had with Gigi in those moments were one of the most important part of the training that i've gone through and a lot of times that's how breakthroughs are. A lot of times it will 
seem like something messed up at first when the exact right thing happened. And you get to the point where you learn to trust yourself, you know, when there's a little voice that says, like, something isn't right here, it's important to listen to that voice. Oftentimes, we get caught up in in the heat of passion, and it's like, to have stop a scene can be, sometimes feel disruptive for the person that's not triggered. But just be patient with it. There'll be another time for really good hot sex. You can get back in the groove. And just take that time to be with your partner that's been triggered and take the time to explore what's going on. And that can be a part of the healing process, but it also can be a very bonding time between the two of you where you form a deeper bond and connection. And so in certain ways, it can be kind of a blessing to just stop the scene and or stop the sex and say, okay, let's just explore and see what's going on. And those are the moments where you really grow in your relationship. It's not always what you want to do, but when it, when you find yourself there, it can be very powerful and take you to whole new places that are good and healing. Whether you're in a romantic relationship with someone or have a BDSM relationship with someone or anything like that, one of the things that you are both taking on for the other partner is the role of a caretaker. Both a sub and a dom are different kinds of caretakers, but in a good dynamic, both should be taking care of the, of the person that they're with. And this is also true in all relationships, give and take, and you should be a caretaker for your partners. And part of that, part of the responsibilities that you take on as a caretaker are to take those moments and pause and really communicate with your partner or with your dom or your sub, like what's going on. And one of the things in BDSM a lot of times People think of, you know, subs having safe words and subs being the ones that need to, you know, stop if things get too intense. But doms should also be allowed to do that. Sometimes the situation gets triggered in a dom when it's not triggered in a sub. And it's still important to stop and explore what happened and why it came about and things like that. And I think that a lot of doms feel guilty about stopping scenes. You know, they're supposed to be the ones that have it under control. They're supposed to be the ones that can can handle what they are doing. But 
we don't always know the things that are going to trigger us before it happens. And it is just as important for a dom to be able to stop a scene and talk to a sub as it is for a sub to be able to stop to the scene and talk to a dom. And even if you're not into BDSM, I think one of the powerful tools in it can be modified a little bit for romantic sexual relationships, but do an evaluation together. Find out where you meet up in the pleasure zone, so to speak, and where some of the where can some of the pitfalls be in a relationship? And negotiating a romantic date is just as important as, or maybe not quite as important, but important as negotiating a BDSM placing. It can help prevent a lot of problems from coming up if you and what the evaluation does is it gets you on the same page. It says, these are the things I like, these are the things I'm unsure about, and these are the things I definitely don't want to go there. <laughs> and in a romantic love relationship, you can kind of explore, well, do I like oral sex? Do I like anal sex? How do I like to be touched? And explore the things you enjoy and we're all going to enjoy different things, but there's going to be common ground in any relationship. That's part of what draws us together. There's a force of attraction. And, and so there's going to be things you both enjoy doing together. And if you do find you've been triggered and you want to avoid further future triggers, stick on the, with the activities until you get counseling on the things where you have common ground, the common interests and common enjoyment of pleasures. Because there'll be plenty of time later to explore and maybe even take some time to really push your own boundaries and help your partner push their boundaries a little bit, but in a safe way. And that's can be very powerful for growth in the relationship. I think another important thing to keep in mind is that sometimes old traumas come up years and years after the initial incident. You might have been with the same partner for 10 years and you've done all sorts of things, and you may be doing an activity that you've done a thousand times before without issue, and all of a sudden something comes up that completely blindsides you. And a lot of times when it happens for your partner, you might think like, oh, did I do something wrong? Or why is this coming up now? Maybe they don't like me anymore, or maybe something's changed. And it, again, it's not anyone's fault when that happens. And if you have something like that trigger that's an old scar that you 
had completely forgotten about. Look at why is it being like, why is it, why did it get triggered this time? Were there things happening before this that, you know, I, that I didn't realize were affecting me or, it could be a conversation that you had this morning and now it's 12 hours later and you're having sex and all of a sudden between whatever got brought up in that conversation and the the thing that you've done a thousand times with this person before, all of a sudden it takes on like a, a new like thing that uh, that triggers you and you know, it's. I think that's one of the reasons why that giving yourself time for self-reflection after the event, once you're by yourself, after you've talked with your partner about it and like explored with them, like what may be causing the problem, and you won't necessarily discover the the root of the problem right away. It might take several conversations that might take counseling to figure out what it is. And don't beat yourself up if you can't put your finger on what is causing you to feel the way that you feel. Just trust yourself that your feelings are valid and that it is something that is causing it. And, you know, explore what it might be and maybe you will, you know, maybe it will be a eureka moment. Maybe uh, it won't be until y'all try that again that you realize, oh, this is what triggered that thing. And it might lead to discussions that bring you closer together and make your relationship more solid. That Sometimes it's through working through these very difficult things with partners that really, really make us bond and grow together with the people we care about and with the people that we love. Wow. Already we're to the top of the hour. <laughs> Time flies on this show. I would like to say that just kind of a general recap, when males do oftentimes have traumas in their past, I know I've had some and for a long time, I was able to just go on with life without addressing some of that. But eventually, they kind of sneak back in. <laughs> Take some time to explore yourself and figure out if you have had past traumas to see how is it affecting me today. And if you need to get some help, get some help through counseling and start there, really work through it. Because it's kind of like the emotions. If you have a lot of anger and you just don't express it and you stuff it away over and over again, eventually that anger is going to come back to haunt you. <laughs> Same with the trauma. If you keep just ignoring it and stuffing it away, it's going to come back to haunt you. So take some time to work through it. And, and it is a process, but it can really be healing and you can discover whole new things about yourself. 
and discover new interests and even new activities that weren't available due to the trauma. Like Paul said, he discovered that he could express his bisexuality with a clean slate, not be controlled by that old trauma. And that's part of the benefits of working through it is that we gain a new freedom and we gain a new perspective in life and we grow in, in ways that's hard to put into words exactly. But that's my kind of takeaway from tonight's episode is that no matter what trauma you've been through, we've all been there. There's been a lot of people that have gone through all kinds of things. And we all go through a lot of stuff in this sex-negative culture. It's time to turn it around and start the healing process. And part of the healing is to acknowledge it, name it, and and then start working on it and saying, okay, what what is going on here? Where is this coming from? Start questioning it and... Don't just stuff it away and say, okay, it's time to be present with it for a little while. What do I need and what is this inner child calling for me to do at this point? And a lot of times it's just empowering the inner child, giving the child new tools and ways to work through some of the situations that originally caused the trauma and realizing, okay, I don't have to deal with When I was a little kid, I didn't have this tool set, but today I do. And use the new tools and, and you'll be amazed at how much you can grow and, and how much better life can be when you don't have all that baggage that you've been stuffing away maybe for years. <laughs> I would like to end the show by saying, first of all, your feelings, your emotions, your traumas are valid. You are not less of a person for them. You are not damaged or weak because you have some trauma that is affecting you. And you deserve to, to overcome it. You deserve to not be a prisoner to it. And you are strong enough to work through it, even though in the moment sometimes it feels like you can't. You're not alone. There are a lot of people out there who have experienced similar things to the things that you have. People who have gone on to live beautiful, fulfilling lives and do beautiful, amazing, fulfilling things. And you have the power to do that as well. And you deserve it. Ah, and on that note, pleasure yourself. Give yourself a break. And really... Enjoy some of the things your body can do. Touch yourself in good ways. Experience those nocturnal emissions and enjoy your body. It's a gift 
and something that we can take and utilize it any time that we decide we want to and can find private space to do so in. And we can pleasure ourselves and bring ourselves to a much better headspace through sex. So touch yourself, explore the amazing pleasures of the flesh and see where it can take you. Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.